0: Hey, thanks for tuning in to the Velocity Church podcast. We love to hear about life change in our church. So if you have a story about how Velocity has made a difference in your life, send us an email at amen at findvelocity.org. Now sit back and enjoy today's message. Well, have you ever felt like you've been at a deficit? Like you are in the negative? Maybe physically you felt that way, Perhaps you've been doing so good at making good choices on your diet, and you've been eating healthy, you've been eating lots of salad and and grilled chicken and, and then this week happened, and it was valentine's Day, and your self-control went out the window with not with the not just one but two mini bunt cakes that you ate, and then you kind of felt like, ugh, afterwards, you know like you felt physically at a deficit, or maybe you felt at a financial deficit before, like. Maybe your finances aren't exactly where you want them to be. Or maybe you felt it emotionally. Well, a few weeks ago, this happened to me. And I don't know why. Nothing was different in my routine. I'd actually had a really good night's sleep. And what I'm about to tell you is probably opposite than what you hear most weeks. Because I know someone in this relationship paints a picture that it's always like love and flowers at the Jenkins house. But I'm here to tell you that it's not. As you see, I woke up and I looked at my spouse who was sleeping, and I thought to myself, "You haven't said anything to me. You haven't done anything to me, but I'm already irritated with you. I'm already kind of cranky with you today. Have you ever been there? I know some of you are like, "I'm not going to admit, because my spouse is right there. Confession's good for the soul. I felt like I was in an emotional deficit, like not enough good had been deposited into my spirit, and I was operating in the negative. Now, thankfully, these deficits can all be fixed. If you're feeling like you have an emotional deficit, well, you know you can spend time doing something that recharges you. Maybe that's, you know, taking a nap. Maybe it's going shopping. Maybe it's getting with a friend. Maybe it's spending time with God and making a list of all the things you're thankful for in your life. If you're at a financial deficit, that can be fixed by either getting back to your budget or creating a budget. If you, you know, overdid it with the the Valentine's treats, you can correct that deficit by making healthy choices the next day. But have you ever found yourself in a place of a relationship deficit? I'm not talking about not having a date for Valentine's Day. I'm talking about the feeling that the relationships you were in put you in the negative, There are two types of relationships in our lives. There's those that are deposit relationships and those that are withdrawal relationships. Now, some relationships are just a breath of fresh air. Those are the deposits. I have a friend that whenever I'm with her, it is so good. It's amazing. It's like she just gives me sunshine and flowers and Target gift cards into the depths of my soul. (laughs) Then there are some relationships that you spend time with them and you feel after you've left like, I think I want to die. The life has been sucked out of me. I have nothing to give to anyone. Have you ever experienced those relationships? What do we do when the relationship puts us in the negative? How do we navigate knowing that you're not that healthy for me, but if I'm going to live like Jesus does, how do I deal with you? I can't cut you out of my life, so, so what do I do? Well, I have some solutions and thoughts for you that I believe can help you as you navigate those relationships. But before we can learn the practical, there's a few things that I think we need to understand first. Now, I make it a point to never go too deep in my, in my messages. I leave that to the professional. But I think we have to understand a few things about our makeup so that we can understand how to best live in our relationships. So here we go. We are a three-part being. You are a spirit the spirit is the part of you that will live forever somewhere and thankfully jesus paid that price so that we can live with him you have a soul which is your mind your will and your emotions and that's all housed in your body you are not your body some of you are like praise hands emojis for that Your spirit is made alive when you accept Jesus. It's the God connection part of you. It's that still, small voice that tells you what God wants you to do, but it has to get through to your mind to actually be lived out in your body. Our soul or our mind, that can be the biggest problem for some of us. Because as we learned in the Liftoff series, you live at the level of your thinking. So if you live with low-level thinking, you're going to have low-level living so going back to our verse earlier bad company corrupts good character if you bring bad company in too close they will have your ear and if they have your ear they will have your mind and if they have your mind they have your living because you live at the level of your thinking so it's not that you begin to hang out with, with bad people and bad company all of a sudden you start doing all these crazy things and you're like, I don't know what's happened to me. I don't know why I'm doing this. No, you've allowed them to speak into your ear long enough that it's begin to filter into your mind and what gets into your mind is what you live out. That's the deep part of today's message. Now let's, let's get to where I'm comfortable and, and get to the practical part of the message Now, I have four kinds of people that I'm going to talk about today that could be considered bad company. It's not an exhaustive list, but I think it's parts that we can all relate to, that we've all probably had a relationship with someone like this. And the first type of relationship that could be considered bad company would be control. And for the sake of of it, we'll just call it controlling carry. You know, you can think of controlling carry in your mind. There are a couple ways that people try to control you. There's covert control, and then there's overt control. Now, covert control is usually done by manipulation. It's passive-aggressive comments that keep a leash on you. It's the friend that always is trying to guilt you into things. And overt control, that's more direct, and it's using authority or a position to control you. It's people using words or sometimes physical actions that keep a leash on you and make you feel stuck. Now, whether it's covert control or overt control, it's people wanting to control you. And if they control your thinking, then they control you. But the Bible says that the life that we are supposed to live is to be controlled by the Spirit. So if someone else is controlling me, then I'm not, being, I'm not allowing God to control me. The second type of person that would be considered bad company is negativity. and We'll call him Negative Ned. Now, we've probably all bumped into a negative Ned. Negative Ned never sees anything on the positive side. You know, you could walk into negative Ned and say, hey, Ned, how you doing today? Horrible. Hey, Ned, it's going to be a great day at work. No, this place sucks. He obviously doesn't work for Velocity Church. (laughs) Anything you say to Ned, Ned is going to have a negative reaction. Ned could win the lottery. And he would be more upset about the fact that the government takes a cut other than the fact that he's a millionaire. If I won the lottery, I would be more than happy about that. But we've all been around negative neds. And here's the deal. You can't control who you interact with. I guess to a certain degree you can, but to a certain degree you can't. When you work somewhere, you don't control who works with you unless you own the company. When you buy a house in a neighborhood, you don't control who buys the house down the street. When you go to the store, you don't control who's at the store with you. But what you can control is how much interaction, how much space you're going to allow them to have. The Bible says in Ephesians 4, 29, it says, do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouth, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. So the words that come out of my mouth and the ones that I receive into my ears and my thinking are not going to be unwholesome, but they're going to be words that build each other up. And next, a next character of what would be considered bad company, company is temptation, tempting Tina. Now, temptation wants to come along and convince me that returning to an old way of living isn't that big of a deal. And I'm not just talking about temptations from a sinful way. I'm referring to, about temptation that wants to draw you back to an old way of thinking, to an old set of values. Tempting Tina wants to drag you back to who you used to be. Instead of temptation in the inner circle of my life, I need voices that will encourage me towards freedom. Because the opposite of temptation isn't just resisting temptation, it's actually freedom. The Bible says that, whom the Son sets free is free indeed. So Jesus came to give us freedom. And when we allow the tempting Tina's in our life into the inner circle of our mind and allow her to, to drag us back to our old patterns, to our old ways of thinking, we'll begin to act in those ways. And it will cause us to live out of guilt and shame. And Jesus wants us to live free from all of that. And finally, the fourth example of bad company is fear. And we'll call him fearful Fred. Now, if your name happens to be Fred, Tina, um, Ned, or Carrie, I'm really sorry. I was just, I'm not saying that you are that. I was just pulling names that rhymed. But fearful Fred, fear is so tied to control. Because I think whenever you have a relationship in your life that wants to speak fear into you, what really they're wanting to do is control you. You know, if I can give you fear about applying to that college and moving away, then I can control you and keep you here. If I can speak fear to you about quitting that job and pursuing your new career, then I'm controlling you. It's so tightly tied to control, but it's so common that it deserves its own category. It's that voice in your life that will give you all of the horrible scenarios that could happen, but probably never will. It's the voice in your life that doesn't want you to step out in faith and do what God wants you to do in your life. And sometimes, fearful friends, they are well-meaning people. They're just giving you what they've got. Someone gave them a spirit of fear. If fear has crept its way into your mind, you need to recognize that it is not from God. God's word tells us that he has given us a spirit, not a spirit of fear, but a spirit of power, love and a sound mind. So what do we do with all those relationships that this represents? When you have some of that bad company in your life, and you will, you can't cut them out. And honestly, I don't even understand how a Christian could do that. But what do you do when you come across the negative Neds or the tempting Tina's in your life? How do you survive life knowing that there is bad company but not let it corrupt your character? Well, I have a couple things that I think we can do. And the first one is this. Put the mask on. Now, that seems like a totally wrong thing to say because we don't put masks on in relationships. If you want to have authentic, true relationships, you have to be transparent and vulnerable. But I'm not talking about covering up who you are. I'm talking about a different kind of mask. Let me, let me explain. This week my husband and I got to go on a really romantic getaway to the great state of Alabama, Birmingham, Alabama. (laughs) Hopefully caught my sarcasm with my head shake. It was not a romantic getaway. In fact, we were talking about Valentine's Day, and early on in our relationship, we dated three years long distance, and early on, he went over the top because after my birthday, Valentine's Day is my favorite day. And you may be thinking, your birthday's not a holiday, but you don't know me. Yes, it is. <laughs> so anyway, Valentine's is my favorite day. And when we were dating, he, um, he's over there so embarrassed. He's like, I can't believe she's telling this story. He would send me these huge, like, boxes in the mail because we were both in college. And he, um, he's a little bit of a musician. And so he would write me songs and record them on CDs. I mean, it was, it was the early th- 2000s, you know. I still have some of them. Maybe I'll invite you over. Like, the first two years, they were really romantic songs, and the third year, we actually were kind of in a little bit of a tiff, and so the song had, like, a little bit of an anger undertone. It's kind of funny. But anyway, he did all this, like, romantic stuff, and then, like, after we got married, you know, like, still Mr. Romance, and then there's kind of a few years where it kind of went, eh. And then, like, last year, you know, he's like, okay, I got this, like, He got us a babysitter, he made reservations for us to go to dinner, and you know, it was Valentine's Day, so dinner was taking a while, so he does the most romantic thing ever, and he looks at me and says, babe, I want to talk to you about what would happen in the event of my death. And immediately, like, I start crying, I'm like, it's Valentine's Day, and and then then this year, I didn't even get a card, so I think, you know, we're kind of going downhill on the on the love train but that's okay he makes up for it in a lot of other ways so anyway we were in Birmingham for a work trip because he is a coach with ARC which is the organization that we planted this church with and he gets to coach new church planters and and we just met three couples that um, we're going to walk with through the launch and and you all are a part of that too by your generous giving um, at Velocity you get to help partner with with those churches So anyway, I was all excited for this trip because usually what happens is I'm a poor planner, so like two days before the trip, I'm up early and I'm up late getting things ready like the house and the kids and, you know, it's a lot of work for for the mom to be out of town for just a few days. And so I was really looking forward to the trip. And we'd taken this airline several times. We were flying to Atlanta and then to Birmingham, and I knew on this particular airline, they had TVs in the back of the seats. And I know this because the last two times I've flown this airline, I've forgotten my earbuds. So even though I could watch a movie, I couldn't hear the movie. So I was ready. I had my earbuds with me, my comfortable ones, and I wanted to just get on the plane, get my bag of pretzels, get my earbuds, and zone out and watch a movie. So I get on the plane and get all comfy, and I look up, and I'm like, where's the TV? There was no TV on the plane. And I was like, what am I going to do? And I thought, well, I could bug him, but he was working, and I thought that probably wouldn't go over very well. So I was just kind of sitting there fiddling. And, and side note, they also did not have pretzels, so it's a good thing I packed my own snacks. This flight was not starting off good for me. So I'm just sitting there, and you know, the, the flight attendant begins her, um, her little announcement spiel, and, and she says, you know, in the event that the cabin pressure is lost, an oxygen mass will fall from the apartment above you put your mask on first and then help others around you. And then it hit me. You have to apply the mask first so that you can apply the mask to everyone else. Why? Because if you lose cabin pressure, you lose oxygen. And if you lose oxygen, your mind gets foggy and you are not able to make rational decisions. And here's the deal in relationships. If you don't take care of you, you are no good for anybody else. If you don't have oxygen flowing into you first, you can't help those around you that need it. If you don't have a mask on when fearful Fred comes to your life, you won't have anything breathing faith into you. And so all those fears that he's freely handing out, guess what they're going to attach to? Your soul. And you're going to start operating out of fear instead of faith. So if you're going to help any of the unhealthy relationships in your life, You've got to put the mask on first. And the second thing you can do is this. And and honestly, I think this is going to be the thing that, that brings you the most clarity in your relationships that are not healthy. And it's this simple thought. You can love freely, but stand firm. Love is given freely. I will love you no matter who you are but that doesn't mean that I'm going to give you access into my thinking because my thinking drives my living. I'm going to love you, but I'm going to stand firm with you. There's going to be some boundaries up that you cannot cross. Did you ever play Red Rover when you were a kid? I was talking to Reese last night, and he had no idea what Red Rover was, and I was like, what kind of school do you go to, child? But I loved Red Rover when I was a kid. And I have memories of being in elementary school playing it. And even right now, like, I can clearly see the playground. It was first grade. My school was East Elementary. My teacher was Mrs. McTaggart, and I didn't really like Mrs. McTaggart. I really liked my mom, and I didn't really like school. So that maybe explains some of my kids right now. But anyway... I remember playing Red Rover, and and in case your childhood is like Reese's and has been robbed of the joy of playing Red Rover, this is how you play it. You're in two teams, and you stand across from each other, and you have to link arms, and you say, Red Rover, Red Rover, send so-and-so right over. And then so-and-so has to start running really fast and break through your line, and if you break through the line, you get to capture someone. If you don't break the line, then you're out. Now, you had to be strategic in this game. Even in first grade, it was all about strategy because if you got called to run, you had to survey the line and think, okay, I can make it through you two. But if you were calling someone, you had to survey the line and be like, hmm, I don't know that that one can make it through. And let's just say in the first grade, there was one boy that was very solid. I mean, Later on in school, he became one of the greatest football players. But in first grade, everyone kind of feared him. And so you didn't call him to come through your line. And usually, you know, he was the last one picked. And and if you did have to call him, you had a couple thoughts run through your mind. And it was, okay, do I hold on really tight and risk him breaking my arm or plowing me over? I mean, that happened to that one kid, and he's never been the same since. Or do I just drop my hands and and let him capture us? Well, usually we just let him run right through our line. We didn't even try to block him. But I think some of us have done that with our relationships. You know, we see the big kid coming, and we get a little bit nervous. And so instead of, you know, trying to block him and keep him out, it's easier just to drop the lines and allow anything to break through to our thinking. We allow anybody to say anything to us, and we've not just allowed them to say things to, them, to us, we've received it. and we've been allowed it to sink down into our thinking, and we consider it as truth in our life. But we've got to stand firm to our boundary. We've got to hold that grip and limit the access that we allow those unhealthy relationships to have. You know, Jesus, He loved everybody. He healed the sick, He raised the dead. He fed the hungry. He cared for the poor. And he gave the greatest love ever told. The Bible says that while we were still sinners, he died for us. That's the greatest demonstration of love. But he limited his access. Not everybody had access to Jesus. He had 72 disciples. But we know of the 12 because he limited his access to them. But even within that 12... He limited it to three Peter, James, and John. There'd be times where he'd be with the 12 and he'd say, Hey, you three, come here. And he'd perform all kinds of miracles. That's because he limited his access to the three. The three had greater than the 12, the 12 greater than the 72, and the 72 more than the thousands. So if we follow Jesus' example, and I think that's a good thing to do, we have to limit the access that we give. I can't bring everyone in close because bad company can corrupt good character. There's a great example of this in the Old Testament in the book of Numbers. Now I'm going to kind of paraphrase it a little bit for you. The nation of Israel, they were God's chosen people. And they had been in bondage in Egypt for over 400 years. And Moses delivered them out and God was leading them into the promised land. Now notice I said promised ed as in past tense already promised to them they didn't have to do anything it was theirs but they ended up missing out on their promise what happened was Moses sent 12 spies into the land and they were to go and survey the land they weren't to go and find out if they could take the land taking the land was a done deal so the men they went and they saw and they came back and they started to report to Moses and they said, hey Moses, this land is great. It does flow with milk and honey. And look at this fruit. It's huge. But the, the men there, like they're really powerful. And their cities are really strong. And I, I just don't know that, that we're going to be able to handle it. So let's pick up in Numbers 13 verse 30. It says, then Caleb silenced the people before Moses. And he said, we should go and take possession of the land, for we can certainly do it. So out of the 12, two believed. Ten didn't, two did. Caleb and Joshua. And then verse 31 says, but the men who had gone up with him said, we can't attack those people. They're stronger than we are. So there was a voice of faith, and there was a voice of doubt. And then look at verse 32, which I think is the saddest verse in this passage. It says, and they spread among the Israelites a bad report about the land they had explored. And you know what happened? A whole generation ended up wandering around the wilderness for 40 years, all because of 10 people. 10 people halted the progress of over a million because bad company corrupts good character. The wrong voices that you allow in the deep circles of your soul can cause you to miss out on some of the greatest blessings God has for you. Not because God isn't good and not because his promises are not true, but because your thinking will limit your living. So why do I limit the access that I give in my relationships? I limit it because I need to be full of empowerment. And I need to be full of words of life. And I need to be full of freedom. And I need to be full of faith. Why? Because this controlling person in my life needs me to lead them to a place of empowerment. And this negative person in my life needs me to be full of wholesome words and words that build each other up because they need someone that loves them enough that will come to them and say, you know what, there's a better way to live and a better way to be. And you can see the thing, the, the world half full instead of half empty. You can see the goodness of God in your life. And there's some people that are living less than all that God has for them and they're walking into temptation and they're living below the level of the destiny that God has for them. And they need someone that can say, you know what, I've walked this path. I've been there and I can lead you to freedom. I I know what it's like. I've been there and I can help lead you to a better way. And there are people that walk with fear that you need to be a voice of faith in their life and tell them that God can and God will, and God does, and that not one good promise from God ever fails. But listen to me. If you don't put the mask on first, you can't put the mask on controlling Carrie. You can't put the mask on negative Ned. You can't put the mask on tempting Tina. And you can't put the mask on fearful Fred. You've got to put the mask on you first. And don't limit the love to them. The Bible says this is how we know we are his disciples, by the way we love. You never limit love because God never limited his love towards us. But if you're going to live life from a place of being full, there are some relationships that you have to limit certain access in certain areas of your life so that you can bring the best you that you can possibly bring into each relationship. Do you receive the word today? Yes. Well, we're going to pray, and as, as we do, I have two questions that I'd like you to consider. And first, I just would invite you to just kind of put a circle around you right now. It's just you and God. Allow everyone around you some privacy as you think about these things, Allow him some room to speak to you this morning. I want you to ask God, God, what are you saying to me today? What is it that you want me to hear this morning? Maybe there's some relationships that you've cut off, that you've learned that, you know what, I don't need to cut them off. I just need to limit their access. Or maybe you have some relationships that you thought love meant you just let them into every area of your life. And it's been super unhealthy. And today you've learned that that's not love. What is it that God is saying to you this morning? And the second question I have for you is this. What will you do about it? The Bible tells us not to just be hearers of the word, but to be doers of the word. So what steps are you going to take in your relationships today?